Father God, we come before you in prayer once more. And, and this, this morning, God, I pray specifically that there would be an infilling of the Holy Spirit amongst this body of believers today, Lord, that, that the Holy Spirit would minister to the areas of our lives that need you most, God, the parts of us that are, that are being hidden away, Lord, that we don't want to offer up. God, I pray that those would just be revealed, Lord, and that your Spirit would minister to each and every one of us in the ways that only you know we need. God, I pray that as we pour over your word today, God, that we would receive something new and fresh, just like we do every time. Lord, that you would just bless our time together. God, we thank you for everything that you are and everything that you've done. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. We're going to be in, a, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, now would be a good time to, uh, to earmark that. And just like last week, there are no handouts today. So again, let that be a lesson. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off scripture for just a minute. I, uh, I'm still pretty green behind the ears when it comes to, to being up here at this podium. And... Some people have said, hey, I really like it when you have a handout that has like your bullet points with blanks that we can write in so we feel like we're taking part in, in, the, in, the, in the message. And, and, and actually more of you have said that we don't like a handout at all. Um, so I'm not sure which, which group is going to be upset, but one of you is going to be upset. Um, I would advise that you show up with a Bible and something to write, write in if you want to take notes or if you just want to sit and receive a spoken, a spoken message. That's cool too. I'm happy you're here. Thank you for being here. Um, I love you and God bless all of you. Let's get into this. We're going to be starting a new series, a three-week series called Love Has a Name. And before our message today, I want to ask you to think about how it feels to be known. Like not just as a passerby or as some nameless face in our church or our community, not like that. Like, what does it feel, what does it feel like when somebody, like, knows you by name, knows you? When someone calls you by name? Uh, while, while I was preparing for this, this message, I was searching for, like, just the right illustration to tie it all together at the end. Um, but what I found was so good that I'm actually just going to open with it. <laughs> so uh, one of my, my friends and mentors, Dave, said like, oh, you know, just a simple three-point sermon, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them, and have a story in there somewhere. So this is, <laughs> this is it right here. So while I was preparing, I found this, this illustration. Uh, this is actually an excerpt from a book called Soul Cravings by an author called Erwin Raphael McManus. And I'm just going to jump right into it. This is his story, not mine. He once met a girl named Kim, and he fell in love. And he pursued her with his love, and he pursued her, and he pursued her until he, he felt that his love had captured her heart. And at that time, he decided he would ask her to be his wife. Uh, great story so far. Um, she said no. So <laughs> way up, way down, real quick. My favorite kind of story. Well, he was unrelenting, though. No, I'm just going gonna, gonna to read as if, as if I'm telling the story. He said, I was unrelenting. Then I asked her again, pursuing her with my love, and I pursued her with my love until she said yes. And when he was telling this story, you know, he's, he's, he's elated. You can, you can read it off the pages. He's elated that she finally said yes. And after so long of pursuing her, she said yes. And he said, I didn't, I didn't send my brother. I didn't send a friend. For in issues of love, you must go yourself. 
In issues of love, you must go for yourself. And this is the story of God, he says. Because he pursues you with his love and he pursues you and he pursues you. And perhaps you've not said yes, even if you're here today in a church, perhaps you've not said yes. Or even further, perhaps you've rejected it. But he pursues you ever still. And it wasn't good enough for God to send an angel or a prophet or, or, or anything else for an issues of love, you must go yourself. And so God has come. And this is what we talked about last week, Emmanuel, God with us. And this is the story of Jesus. That God has walked among us and he pursues us with his love and he is very familiar with our rejection of this love and he is here even now, still pursuing us with his love. The story of Jesus is not about who is right or who is wrong, what God's name is or who his prophet is, but what exactly God's motivation toward humanity is. If the message that God wanted to get across is, is just about us getting our beliefs right, then, then he didn't need to come for himself. If God's entire intent was to clarify right from wrong, no personal visitation was necessary. If, if the ultimate end was to simply overwhelm us with the miraculous so that we would finally believe, then God's taking on flesh and blood and walking among us were far from necessary. There is only one reason for God to come himself. And that's because in issues of love, you can't just have someone else stand in for you. When it comes to love, it has to be face to face. There has to be contact. Love cannot exist where there is only distance. Love can survive distance, but only by the strength of what comes through intimacy. Before we get into our scripture, Again, the, the title of this the series is Love Has a Name. And learning a name is often the first step to beginning a new friendship or relationship. It's an entry point into someone's life. It's the doorway, if you will. And from that initial point, a relationship can grow. There's something, there's something powerful about knowing someone's name, about remembering someone's name when someone knows your name, it makes you feel loved, noticed, seen. When someone knows and remembers your name, it gives you a sense of worth, it gives you a sense of value. And a person's name kind of represents their story, yeah? Like we're reading from the Gospel of Luke, not just like the Gospel of one of those 12 guys that ran around with Jesus for a couple years. The name is important. Knowing the name is important. It represents who they are. It represents their past, the good and bad, their successes and screw-ups, their backgrounds, their upbringing, occupation, who their parents are, a person's name and their story. It matters. And the best news that I have to offer in this message today is that Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your story. And Jesus loves you. And he loves you not because of something you've done or, or in spite of something that you've done. He just loves you. He just loves you. Simply put, all the way, all the time. If you have your Bible open, let's go ahead and jump into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was, was passing through. A man was there 
by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran. <laughs> Is everybody looking at Mark? I mean, he's throwing his hands up. Okay, no joke. I didn't mean to interrupt this. This is the, impo- this is the scripture. This is the important part. But in my mind, when I, when I looked at, like, when I pictured Zacchaeus, I was like, oh, it's like Mark, but taller. <sighs> he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short like Mark, he could not see over the crowd. <laughs> so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him. And, and since Jesus was coming that way, he wanted to be ready to see him. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and, and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was this guy. When I read this story, you know, I I, I just think... Who is this guy? Can I, can I put this, this character to somebody contemporary that I can think of? I don't know, a governor, maybe, that we all know. And Jesus said, I see you, and I know your name, and I love you. Regardless of what other people think about you, you're mine, and salvation has come to your house. At the beginning of this passage, we we see that Jesus is passing through the city and we're told about this man who collected taxes for a living. And as a tax collector, he would overtax and steal money from his own people. And as a result, to put it nicely, the man wasn't very well liked. In fact, he would have been despised, loathed, maybe even ostracized. And to a further extent, even, we're we're told that he wasn't just a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. So it's not just that he was a real piece of work. It's that he was like the chief piece of work. (laughs) And he's despised by his fellow countrymen, and and he's filthy rich because of what he does. Even more reason to not like him. Well, this guy had heard about Jesus. And he knew that he was coming to town and and Zacchaeus really, really wanted to see him. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to put a face to the name. And there was just that one problem. It's it's just that he was short. (laughs) Very short. Like Mark, but taller. (laughs) And because of that, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he he climbs a tree. He has this brilliant idea. I'm just going to climb a tree. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into the sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And then problem solved, right? You know, uh, that's all he had to do. And to get through the crowd, and I, I don't think that he really wanted to engage. If I'm reading this properly, I think he had just heard and something stirred in him and he wanted to see. So he shows up, he climbs the tree. And I'm guessing that there were there were times, this being one of them, when, when Zacchaeus probably didn't want his name to be known or spoken aloud. 
And maybe with this big crowd there to see Jesus, he could kind of blend in with some kind of, a, you know, anonymity and be hidden in the crowd. He didn't really want to be called out in front of anybody. Certainly not the very people whose money he had taken. But not today. That's not how he felt that day. Because when Jesus called him, he became excited, over the moon, excited. He, he heard Jesus say his name. So he hurried down and he came, came down and he, he received him gladly. And, and when they, the crowd, saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now you can bet that if Jesus knows the name of a guy like Zacchaeus, 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 I'm going to say it both ways. I don't know, guys. That he knows the names of people in our lives, too, to, to be more direct. Jesus knows the name of our ex, of the people who have hurt us, of our coworker who thinks differently than us politically, of our neighbor who is kind, of our neighbor who is kind of strange, of our spouse, of the know-it-alls on social media, to the random strangers we cross paths with. Jesus knows our names. Jesus knows their names. But do we? Do you? Do you want to? When we put names with faces, they're, they're no longer just faces in the crowd. They begin to receive humanity in our hearts and our minds. They become human, not just a, a passerby or some nameless face in our church or our community, but as human beings, as our brother or sister in Christ. And get this, because I, I forget this, get this. Their lives, their lives have the same value as ours. The truth can be hard to believe sometimes, but, but it's true. The world might say otherwise about a certain people group or a certain class of, of, of citizen. The crowds might say something different but not Jesus. He knew Zacchaeus' name. He knows your name and he knows my name. To the crowd, to the world, to the people, Zacchaeus was a sinner, a tax collector, but to Jesus, he was just Zacchaeus. The crowds wanted to, to label him. Jesus used his, his name once more. Zacchaeus, come down. Love pronounces value over a person and sees them for who they are, which is a child of God. You want to know the simplest way to love someone? Get to know their name. Know their name and, and get to know the person and the story behind the name. You want to be used by God, and I'm not saying that this is the only way to be used by God, but if if you want to just jump in with both feet, you want to be used by God, learn someone's name. You want to help someone learn their name. You want to point someone to Jesus, learn their name. You want to change someone's heart, you want to change the world, share the name 
of the one who loves us all. You know, a lot of us, many of us, I don't know, all of us, you know, we say that we want to do these things. We say that we want to reach out to the poor, to the, to the excommunicated. We want to, to reach out to those that suffer. We say that we want to be used by God, but we might not even know anyone's name outside of our immediate circle. And so this is my, my main challenge for today, for all of us. Between now and the next time we meet, learn someone's name. Then remember their name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it isn't easy. It takes time, it takes intentionality, but over time you'll notice something. You'll notice how these same people perk up when they hear their own name. When you begin to learn more about their story and where they've come from, you'll be able to pray more specifically over them and their families. The first and most important commandment, talked about this a few weeks ago and we'll talk about it for the rest of forever. Jesus said is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we must have commitment to that first and most important commandment, to love the Lord your God. Because everything that follows is empowered by that love. We love him because he loved us first, and we must love him first in order to love one another to the full measure. And so again, the challenge is this. Get to know someone's name outside of your immediate circle. And learn about them. Ask about their story, where they're from, and, and how they're doing, and pray for them. I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm guilty of this. When I, when I engage with somebody in conversation, I have, I start with, pardon me, I shouldn't say I have. I start with a genuine interest in who somebody is, what their story is, how I can pray for them. But then this really selfish thing takes place where I'm just waiting for my turn to talk. And I'm looking for, like, cues in, 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 in their speech patterns. Like, oh, are they, are they pausing? Is it time for, can I, can I say my thing? And sometimes, shh, shh, just shush. And get to know somebody. And when the time comes for you to share about your story so that it can be related to them and let them know that they're not alone in their sufferings or their failings, go for it. But first, shh, get to know someone by name. Ask about their story, where they're from and how they're doing, how you can pray for them and and when you leave that interaction, pray silently. Take a moment to do so in your car. And if, and if there's an action you're supposed to take from there, take it. I know that you've got a lot going on. You've got enough to worry about in your own light, life. Pardon me. You've got enough to worry about in your own life, let alone somebody else's baggage and brokenness. I get it. But so often we, we stop short at the name of a person, and that's just the beginning. We need to, to take it a step further than that. We need to put others before ourselves. In fact, Jesus said a few things about doing that. He said more than a few things, but I have two things here. Jesus said, if anyone asks you to walk a mile with them, go with them two miles. He also said that the least would be made the greatest and that the greatest would be made the least. I want to tell you a story about this guy, and I'm going to leave his name out of it, just out of respect, but 
about six or seven years ago, I lived over at the Sequoia Dawn, and, uh, and I was actually going to Jay's church uh, before it was Sequoia, and before Jeremy was the, the pastor. At that time, it was Ignite, and, uh, and it was Greg who was the pastor. And I, I would go there on Tuesdays, and, uh, and I saw a lot, of pe- a lot of my neighbors, saw a lot of people that I lived near um, that were, they were just, their humanity had been taken from them. They were, they were viewed as, as, as a sub-level of society. You know, you could tell that they had seen a lot of, of hurt, damage, rejection in their lives. And you could tell that they had just taken that for their identity. And I was so grateful that I was seeing them at church because that meant that that they were learning that that's actually not their identity, that they have a name, and that Jesus knows their name, and that Jesus called them by name, and that Jesus loves them by name. Well, there was this one guy, and he was waiting down at the bus stop, the bus stop that goes, uh, the TCAT, the county bus that'll go from Springville to Porterville. And uh, I was out for a walk one morning, and I saw him there, and I, I, had, I had met him, but I didn't, I didn't know him, but I saw him, and I was walking past him, and I stopped and I said good morning, and I gave him a hug. And then like two weeks later, I saw him again outside the complex, and he started crying. And he said, man, that really meant a lot to me that you just, that even that you just knew my name and you were willing to give me a hug. And this isn't a story about how I I did something good, because any good that I do is Christ working through me. So let's get that. Let's get that straight real quick. This is a story about a guy that had been told by the world that he was a sinner, that he was sublevel, that he was just the riffraff. And even though I didn't know this guy very well, something stirred in me to go say good morning, to call him by name, and to give him a hug. And that interaction stirred in him maybe the possibility of believing that he is who Jesus says he is that maybe all of the things that he's read about or heard about in sermons or in church or however he absorbs the word, that maybe those weren't just words in a book or from one person to another person, but from the author of life to him. Many people want to get to know who's in charge, the boss, the successful person, whoever is in leadership. Everybody wants to get to know that person's name. But often, the person that Jesus is most focused on is the person who's nameless to everybody else. Jesus would tell us, get to know that person's name. Ask about their story. Help and pray for that person. I mentioned a few weeks ago that many of us live our lives every day or frequently, missing the fact that God loves us. Missing the fact that God loves us. And we don't take, when we don't take into account the love that our Father in heaven has for us, well, it's not too long after that that perhaps we forget that, that we're his family. And when we miss the fact that we've been adopted into sonship or daughtership, well, then we have a hard time loving ourselves. And when we have a hard time loving ourselves, in turn, we have a hard time loving others who are also valued and treasured by God. So listen, I know it sounds cheesy. Maybe it sounds difficult, but our charge going forward, not today or this week, just going forward. Learn someone's name who is outside of your immediate circle and learn about that person. Learning, learning a name is just the beginning. 
When someone knows your name, it makes you feel loved, noticed, and seen. It makes you feel valued. No matter who you are or where you are or what you do, this is something that we can all do. And we can all do it today. Whether you're a biblical scholar or a first-time churchgoer, from the point that we begin to follow Christ, we get to enter into a journey. And on each leg of this journey is more and more and more of Christ's goodness, of God's goodness, of grace, of love, of mercy. We are created beings who possess free will. And aside from sin, I would say that one of the only barriers to this process of more and more and more has to do with that free will. And the question is, how willing are you? How willing are you to step outside of your comfort zone, to pray for somebody who you disagree with, to give to somebody who you think doesn't deserve it, to learn someone's name, to get to know them, and to know how to pray for them. Jesus was walking through this crowd, and he saw this tax collector, this chief tax collector, this, this sleazeball in his society. And he said, you, I choose you. And even though the people around Jesus knew who Jesus was and what he was doing, they thought they knew better. They said, him? He's going to stay in the house of a man who is a sinner. And Jesus says to this man, today salvation has come to your house. Friends, we have in us, if we, if we have received the gospel, we have in us the capability to show love like we don't understand. We have the capability to, to point to the person who's on the fringes of society and say, you, let me show you love. What is your name? How can I pray for you? How can I help you? I, I don't want to be discrediting of anyone who, who shows kindness to a stranger. I don't want to say that you shouldn't show kindness without learning a name, but I, I just want to encourage you to take it a step further, you know, and not... Uh, Listen, we've got like a, a homeless crisis going on right now. And you can't go to anywhere in town without seeing somebody on a corner with a sign or living out of a car, you know. And it's very easy to drive by and say, hey, brother, here's a five. You know, go, go get yourself a meal. Which won't buy a meal anymore, by the way. You're going to bump the numbers up. Make it a 10. That, that's a kindness. That's a friend of mine who takes it a step further. And instead of just giving a fiver or a 10 spot or a bag of food and walk up and say, hey, what's your name, brother? What's your name, sister? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? And just like when I saw that man at the bus stop and I, I offered a hug, the act of physical contact, whether that's just a handshake or a hug or a hand on the shoulder as you pray over somebody, Man, when you make somebody feel, feel seen the way that Jesus has made me feel seen, the way that Jesus has made many of you feel seen, well, that stirs something in someone's heart. And that makes them more receptive to receiving the gospel and not just hearing it, but receiving 
the gospel. So I gotta, I gotta tell you guys, if, if you're in the habit of being kind to your brothers and sisters in the world, continue that, but take it a step further and learn their name, learn their story, learn what to pray for. Because Jesus saw a sinner and said, I call you by name, and today I will be in your house. And I'm asking you today to reach out to those outside of your comfort zone and say, I see you. And I want you to know something, the Lord sees you. And wherever you are in your life, the Lord is with you. And wherever you are in your journey, you can always come back to the Lord. Brother, can I pray for you? Sister, can I pray for you? How can I be of service to your life? That's what Jesus would have done. No matter who you are or where you are or what you do, this is something that we can all do. And we can all do it now. So that's our charge today.